0: Welcome to Discovering Responsible Wealth. This is your host, Frank Congelos. Pleasure to be with you this week. Over the last month or so, we've been talking about the concept of financial wellness. Over the last few shows, we got into talking about uh, what I refer to as the three R's of finance, how to build wealth. Uh, how to utilize wealth, things of that nature. And it was really coming from the premise of, you know, the scripture where it says, know the state of your flocks. And that was my way of saying, know the state of your financial affairs, the different aspects of your life, and so forth. And with that in mind, I brought in my partner, my, you know, I would say my co-author of the show here, David Suki. So Dave, welcome. Pleasure to have you on the show this week. Good morning to you. And if... For our listeners, if you remember last week's show, we were talking about rates of return. And we were given an education somewhat on different financial products and how the rates of return work. And so we're going to pick up a little from last show. But before I get into that, I'm going to just give a very short cliff cliff notes version of where we were last week, which will get us to what we want to talk about this week. So on last week's show, what we ended the show talking about – was the fact that we're going to have to place our money somewhere. And when we place our money somewhere, the different options that we have available to us are either going to give us more return, less return, more risk, less risk, volatility, or whatever the case might be. And we started off with the basic premise that whenever you're making a financial decision or a financial transaction, from an investment standpoint, you're in one of two areas of the transaction. You're either a lender somewhat, which is someone who is in fixed income. You're like owning bonds, or it's as if you're lending money to someone. And we left the show talking about, you know, if I was putting money in a bank or whatever the case might be, there's no risk there. Money's very safe, but low returns. We talked about annuities, how those worked a little bit. And we talked about the fact that they're safe, although not very liquid, you know, in the early phases of it. We talked about their taxation as ordinary income. We even talked about life insurance and the cash values. And how those worked. We went from that to talking about bonds. And as we were getting into bonds, we ended the show last week really talking about you could be in what we refer to as government bonds, which is we lend money to the government in exchange for an interest rate. We talked about you could be in municipal bonds, which is we lend money to a municipality in exchange, again, for an interest rate. And we were talking about, you know, there were some tax ramifications of each. And so we're gonna pick up a little bit on the bond side and we're gonna talk a little bit on the corporate bonds and then we're gonna get into other positions in the capital structure such as equities or stocks and also a little bit on real estate on what all your options are and then we're gonna bring, bring it all together at the end on what you should be doing or what you need to know based upon who you are and where you are at this point in your life. So with that in mind, you know, so Dave, would you like to maybe kind of get us started on talking a little bit about you know, the bond side and just talking about corporate bonds and when I'm buying a corporate
1: bond, who am I lending my money to? Right. So the word corporate, Frank, um, is the key to that, which is – it's corporate America. It's a corporation. OK. It can be across the world too actually. But um, there's uh, – you have the ability to own a bond that's issued by a corporation. That has a you know fixed time period to it, a maturity, okay, and that has a yield or an interest rate that's attached to it, okay. And then you you purchase bonds at, at a value called par, usually right. Par value is the is the basis that you buy a bond at, okay. And you can buy that. You can also buy a bond at, at a premium. Which is you're paying more for that bond, okay? Or you can buy a discounted bond where you're paying a little less. So for those of people in the world that are shoppers, it's like you can get it on sale, or you can buy it, you know, when it's you know the price has been raised up because the demand is so high, right? So, uh, so that is all intents and purposes, you know, um, how a corporate bond is, you know, physically structured.
0: So, and for our listeners, is what that's also saying to you, you know, when Dave was going through, you can buy it at a premium or at a discount, most bonds will provide what's referred to as a um, yield to maturity, which means that if I were to go out and buy a bond today, and let's say the bond was paying 2.5%, and if that was the coupon rate, you know, meaning that that's what they issued the bond at originally, when – rates go up or whatever the case might be, if I'm at a 2.5% bond and somebody buying a bond today could have got 3.5%, my 2.5% bond, if I wanted to sell it, is going to be worth less than the day I paid for it if I sell it prior to maturity. And that's really what we call yield to maturities so that everybody understands that. You know, Last week we were talking a little bit also, we started to get into the point of, you know, all bonds are rated, and they're rated either, you know, by Moody's, Standard of Poor's, whatever the case might be, and we were talking about, you know, lending money to people, and we were, we were kind of kidding, and we were saying is, okay, so if I lend it to, you know, my, my buddy Louie over here, and I'm Italian, hey. so I can pick on Louie, but if I was lending money to my buddy Louie, and I knew that Louie had a possibility of not paying me back, I might charge him interest. And if I was lending money to my buddy Dave, who's across from me oh, today. good credit bond. Who's got, exactly, who's got good credit. And so on Dave, you know, I'd say, well, Dave, you're such a good risk. I'm going to charge you less. Would I turn to Lou and I go, Lou, you're not such a good risk. There's a chance I might not <laughs> well, get paid. I, get back. I may charge you more. That's what's occurring in the bond market. So where we are as far as the economy and everything else, as we talk about, about bonds, are really the following. If I hold a good quality bond – until it matures, I get my money back or I get the face amount back at maturity. So whatever interest I get, I get, but at maturity, I get my money back. Now, if I paid a discount up front, I bought it for less than it's worth. And when it matures, I get the full amount. But here's what's interesting is if I bought it at a premium and I paid $11,000 for bonds, and the face amounts are going to be 10000 when it comes to, them, I'm only getting 10000 but I got my other money back in part of that yield yep. that I received. So it's important that all of our listeners listen or that they understand that. Now, there's been some talk recently about the fact that as interest rates goes up, uh, bonds could be very volatile. And the bonds that they're really referencing are bond-type funds, and the reason why they say bond-type funds is because they really don't have a set date of maturity. And so what happens is a bond fund can trade very similar to a stock whereby it's very it could have more volatility because there's no set dates. There's always new bonds, old bonds, and everything else that's coming in. So bond funds in an environment where interest rates are going up could be more subject to volatility. So yep. just a little insight. Yep. The other thing that you know, I point out to people, and one of the things that you have to keep in mind if you're, you're thinking in terms of bonds, is, is that high yield bonds, which we'll hear about or that you know we we'll are bring it up, actually are bonds that have lesser grade. And lesser grade means that their uh, credit quality is less. So what happens is, is we're not saying that they're going to default. We're just saying that they pay more interest and there's a higher possibility that if, if they could default. So that's really what's occurring there. And I always say to people, always keep this in mind: if it sounds too good to be true, it usually is. But the thing of bonds is, bonds are really the investment in an investment allocation that provides less volatility and more stability in a portfolio. You're typically not going to get rich in bonds, but what'll happen is, is you'll maintain your riches in bonds. So it's not going to get your wealth there sometimes, but it'll. Maintain your wealth, so they're safer, less volatile investments than forms of stock. And since I mentioned the word yes. stock, let's talk about that. Which those are forms of ownership. You, Dave, you want to start off on that one a little bit?
1: Yeah. So th- th- there's stocks that are offered through, the, you know, through corporate your corporations offer them. You can buy stocks. Uh, most people are familiar with that. You know, that you buy a share. It has a share price, you right? You buy shares in Disney. In Disney, right? We we'll all have that as, you know, growing up as a kid, had a little bit of that. Um, so there's a price. You purchase it. You own a piece of the company. You're now a stockholder. So when they have those stockholder meetings, you're entitled to the information at those meetings, the profits of the company, the losses, hopefully not many, and the, you know, the income and, and everything else. So uh, there's obviously risk. As an owner, it's, you know, you, you – you reap the reward, but you may also, you know, suffer with the loss, right? And most people understand that with stocks.
0: So as we stay with stay with stocks, a lot of people have gotten away from buying individual securities. You know, it's kind of like, you know, trying to find the needle in the haystack. And so what's occurred over time is that the more popular as it relates to you know, the average yeah. everyday American owning stock is they typically are owning stocks and what are referred to as different forms of mutual funds or what are called baskets of stock or even electronically traded funds, which are, they call them ETFs. Now, the, the benefit of either one of those is, is that we're giving you pretty broad diversification. And, you know, you can have one share of a mutual fund or one share in an ETF, and it could represent 500 to 1,000 different companies or it could represent 30 or 50 depends on the fund itself. Sure. And then as it relates to that, you know, our whole thing with people is is that stocks over time have the ability to grow. Not all of them do, but they have the ability to grow versus bonds. Bonds just generate income. So there was a study done a while back, and the reality was this. And this is where, you know, it was the aha moment, and there was a Nobel Prize given for this, which is they came up with this concept that's called asset allocation. And the study that they came out with was the fact that 94% of investment success okay, in building you know, was in building a portfolio and getting it out of the asset allocation, which means that I could have taken 100% of my money and bought, say, the S&P 500. But had I had a mixed bag of various different stocks and some bonds, and I did it both from large companies to small companies as well as bonds in there and everything else, that blend – of different portfolios, okay, of different holdings actually could have reduced my risk and provided me with the same or even a better rate of return. So I diversified myself more and by diversifying I had more exposure to more opportunities, but I also may have taken some of the volatility out of my portfolio. So for all of our listeners, as you're, you're hearing this, you might be saying to myself, and what in the world am I doing here? And you know, what does this all mean to me? And so what Dave and I are going to share with you now is the reality, which is if you're in the earning years of growing your money, the tendency is, is that owning some form of stocks in your portfolio, whether you own ETFs or you own mutual funds or you own um, – Indexes or whatever the case might be, the possibility is is that you should or could earn more or have more growth on your money by owning more stock, although you have more volatility. By bringing bonds into the portfolio, that'll provide more stability in the portfolio, so that you don't have that level of volatility. And then it comes down to what we call the time horizon. So maybe Dave, you and I will just chat a little bit about, about this, which is when we have clients that have very short time horizons. You know, what are you typically telling them, Dave?
1: Those with shorter time horizons are going to want more security than those with longer time horizons, right? So typically they, the risk. they don't want to take on lots of risk because the presence of the money is needed in, in, in some sort of immediate picture, right? A year, two years, five years. I mean that's – as we all know as we look at life, that goes quick. Exactly. So, and then if, if the time horizon is longer – there may be the ability to have a little bit of that swings that those ups and downs, realizing that you know with a proper you know properly diversified portfolio i'm st- I'm still going to win in the long run, which is why i'm doing this
0: so when you're listening to this as you know a listener to our show, you know years ago, there used to be a rule of thumb that people would say, "Well, what percentage should I have in stock and what percentage should I have in bonds?" And we used to go with okay, do a hundred minus your age. Yeah. So if I was fifty years old, okay, and I looked, I'd be half stock, half bonds. If I was retirement oriented, now I even skew that a little bit nowadays. And when I say that I skew that a little bit, is is that you know now some of the life expectancy tables are going even a little longer. Should take
1: one twenty instead of 100 so, now. So if
0: you did as an example one twenty, you might actually find. Like that a 50-year-old or a 55-year-old may have anywhere from 60 to 70% of their portfolio in equities if they have a time horizon of, say, 10 or 15 years or more. And by the way, when I talk in terms of time horizons, a mistake that's often made is is that you know, at age 65, even though that's when you're thinking in terms of retirement or 68, it doesn't mean that you stop living. It just means that we went from the accumulation phase to a distribution phase. So keep that in mind. But what I would suggest is that for all of our listeners is work with an advisor who can do a proper asset allocation, asking you the questions so that they can give you a suitable portfolio for yourself. So I'm yeah, going to that, That's
1: accurate, Frank. That you got to recognize who you are. Are you somebody that's on top of things? That does it for you know your your you and your family and there are people Frank we meet all the time that do that and and they're great that's fine that's that's they're educated they understand it okay um and there's those that don't and they don't they don't understand it at all, and they're looking for help and they're scared to ask for help because unfortunately in 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 the financial world, things can become overwhelming, and people do what I call they do a lot of selling and telling instead of a lot of coaching and educating um and really making people understand that what they have and why they have it. Um, So the the presence of somebody, a mentor advisor, is significant to the, you know, tied to the result.
0: And, And as you're dealing with an advisor, you know, our advice to you is to really be very clear on what it is you're trying to accomplish. So if I'm very growth oriented, typically, and when I say growth, again, it's retirement, 10, 15 years and so forth. It's going to be more Mutual, mutual fund, index-type portfolios, ETFs, but they're going to be growthy with some bonds. And on the other side of that is if I'm more income-oriented, I'm going to be just the opposite, whereby I'm going to be utilizing bonds, not as big on bond funds, but bonds or unit investment trusts, which are groupings of bonds, with set maturity dates to provide the yield that I need to live on, with maybe some mixture of some form of stocks in the form of maybe funds or whatever that can give me some, you know, possibilities for growth are over a long period of time because I'm expected to be here for a while. So Dave, is there anything else that you'd like to add to that as we're wrapping up today's show?
1: No, I think it's a, what I would say a key takeaway, know what you own, uh, educate yourself on what you own so that you know the difference and know know how that knowing the difference makes a difference, Frank. So-
0: And the other thing for all of our listeners, you know, I always say as big as don't make emotional decisions because it's usually the wrong one as it relates to stocks and bonds, okay, or even owning any security. You know, always remember if you're a long-term investor, don't be looking at it all short-term. So with that being said, we wish all of our listeners a great week. You've been listening to Discovering Responsible Wealth. This has been Frank Congelos, our guest David Suki. If you have questions, you can write to us at the Institute of Responsible Wealth, 2431 Atlantic Avenue, Manasquan, New Jersey, 08736, or email us at info at iofrw.com. Thank you, and have a blessed week.